wants to jump. 1,000 cars. Sir, you have a 1,000 cars. I don't think I'd attempt to try this stunt. Or we, we, we owe this horsepower to Uncle Sam. <laughs> Too many cars. Car. You know, roses would be... Uh... Like, I put my beer belly on it. Yeah. And you can't immediately tell somebody how many cars you have. You'll really give those uppity yuppies something to think about. Stay on the bar. Don't go yeah. off the bar with your Bronco. 1980 Volvo horns, what's right? Like, me, me. Yeah, the man's coolant. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I thought it'd be small. It's for a small car. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's still an automatic transmission. They're never going to be light. It's definitely going to have to crash. Starting off with Brad buying another car. That's the West. <laughs> Internet. You know, is this a Nigerian oil print? Uh, I also wish you drove a tan Camry. Anyways, anyway, that, that's har- a horrible, very horrible podcast content. Very inside joke. Welcome to Auto Off Topic. How are you, Brad? I am wonderful. What's going on with you? Oh, it's uh, it's just peachy here. I I did do some stuff to the cars because it Excellent. was uh, clear out and I was feeling better. Excellent. And, uh, and it was twenty degrees. Oh no, it's still pretty cold. Oh, okay. I was trying to talk about the weather, but you you did it. Listen, we have to talk about the weather. I mean, I live in Phoenix, and I had to scrape ice off my windows this morning. Oh, that's so, so sad for you. That's not, that's not something that we can just gloss over. It's very important. Um, Yeah. But it's the end of the year, and we are going to do a Project Car State of the Union. Because we've got... State of the Project Car Union, yes. Yeah, because we've got lots of updates uh, actually, I don't really this have any. I don't have any down dates. I've got all updates. This is the traditional time where we mention all of the cars we have and we give our uh, best laid plans for the next year. In which uh, you, oh grateful audience, not grateful audience, grateful us for you are. It's uh, you, oh wonderful audience, is supposed to hold us tight to. So, I got a lot done. So that'll be exciting to go over. Looking back at it, I was like, oh, that's pretty felt pretty accomplished yeah i mean i i did too i i was thinking the other day that i bought a lot of new cars this year and that's kind of annoying but uh, i also sold three cars this year whoa got rid of three cars yeah and there were two cars that came and went so i mean it's like they didn't even last a whole year here that's amazing so there's there's definitely progress that is amazing made yeah Um, right I do want to talk about kind of a crazy story out of the Pacific Northwest. A couple of cars yeah. were stolen. Yeah. Well, every day in the Pacific Northwest, it seems to be that cars are being stolen still. And I don't really understand why they're stealing the cars they're stealing because they're not stealing them for parts. That's for sure. So my assumption is they're just finding places where they know cars are dormant and taking them. Um, a, a longtime friend of, of mine, and, and I think you know him as well, Andrew, um, ben Shu, he runs Japanese Nostalgic Car. Uh, he had a couple of cars stored in Seattle, uh, a 86 Corolla that he's had for a very long time and a uh, yellow FD RX-7. And they were both stored in the same garage and they both went missing. Kind of an enthusiast's like worst nightmare, right? So one of the things, one of the reasons I wanted to bring this story up is... I'm unfamiliar with them, but I'm hearing a lot of grumblings and talking about Apple AirTags. Andrew, do you know much about those? 
Yes. Uh, people are putting them on things to track things and yeah. without you knowing. So there was well, an update. That's the negative purpose of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you you could. I was actually thinking of putting one on my scooter because the scooters are easily stolen, like right. very easily stolen. Sure. You can walk away with it. Um, but yeah, you could you could hide them in your car. I don't know how long the batteries last. Um, That's what I was wondering. I didn't know if they were battery powered and need to be charged or there is a or what the deal was. A, a thing, though, that they did do an update because people were using them for nefarious purposes. Uh, if there's one near your phone and Bluetooth is on, you've got if you have an iPhone, it will alert you right. because it's not paired to your phone. OK, so I was I actually this came up talking to a coworker the other day because I don't know, he was talking about it for some reason. And then it was another coworker. It was something that she had borrowed from somewhere. So it was a borrowed item like she knowingly borrowed it. But her phone yep. was alerting her that there was an air tag on it. Because she was concerned that somebody was following her, but it was on the device that she borrowed. Interesting. Yeah. So they don't require constant charging. Um, and I, I don't know much about Apple devices either. I'm not sure if they're compatible with not if you get like a, a download a program you can use with them or if it's a similar no device. It's not an I'm Apple. I'm sure there's thing. a similar Android version. Yeah, there must be. But I, uh, I I was considering looking into it and figuring out something that I can put on the cars because. I mean, that's a true fear of mine is, is waking up and having my cars missing or gone or going away and finally somebody stole it or parking outside of a, a store or a restaurant coming into your car being gone. Because unfortunately, I mean, it's not it's it's definitely not a thing where you live. Car. It's more common on the West Coast than it is the East Coast, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, and again, my cars are generally behind a locked, at least a locked gate or in a locked garage. But, you know, these two cars were also in a locked garage and it doesn't necessarily mean they're safe. You know, people can break into things. And I try not to be too paranoid about stuff. But when it happens to somebody, you know, and it's somebody who, you know, takes very good care of their stuff and has a very, you know, they're a very important person in the world of cars. Like Ben started Japanese nostalgic car. It could be argued that Ben is the reason that Japanese cars are collectible right now. You know, he kind of gave a voice to those of us that had these cars and to see it happen to somebody who has like, you know, that kind of reverence in the community. It's it's not that it was a, it was random. It seems it wasn't somebody that stole the cars to park them out or anything, because uh, the good news is both cars were found. The bad news is the A86 has a little bit of damage on it here and there when it was a very nice car. And the FD is, is wrecked really, really badly. You know, the entire passenger side is smashed in. The driver's like water panel smashed. Both bumpers are smashed. The front of the car is smashed pretty hard. So it's not that it's unrepairable, but it's definitely a, a a big job to do it. So we'll see what happens there. But, you know, thankfully, as the car's back, unfortunately, not in the same shape in which they left. So the weird thing is, is that the thieves that stole it had apparently robbed a repair facility or a used car dealer a couple weeks ago. And they took a bunch of the plates from those dealers. And they changed all the plates in the cars so that when they were driving around with their stolen cars, they didn't have, you know, the stolen license plates that were tracked back to Ben's, you know, stolen cars. They had what looked like dealer plates on them. So they probably looked like a car that was just bought, you know, and they removed any identifiable stickers that were on the cars and put their own stickers on in place. And one of them even had a parking pass for a uh, condo complex. So hopefully we can, hopefully they can use that 
evidence to find who did it and stop them from doing it in the future. But it doesn't seem like they were used to steal parts or to do anything like that. They were probably just used to go commit more crimes. So it's yeah, it's strange though to steal those cars. It was probably just they knew where they they knew there was a garage they were in and knew nobody was around. You know, I don't know what the situation. I suppose we subscribe to like the gun in 60 seconds. Like they're going to steal the car because it's a desirable car to like send to Mexico or the Middle East or whatever. Right. I think it's they got to steal a car that's, you know, pre computer chip key and just drive away with it. I mean, I know Subarus were super common to be stolen there because you could just jiggle a key into the ignition and they just blend right in. Yeah. And I mean, any car without an immobilizer, literally you just, you know, it's not even like hot wiring. If you just go behind into the steering column and pull the, uh, ignition switch out, you just turn it. Yep. It's just an electrical switch behind the key. Yep. Um, yeah, old cars are very easy to steal. And a lot of delicates were getting stolen for a while there. Sure. Yeah. So again, it's it's it. And any common car especially gets stolen because you can go do more bad things and blend in a traffic. A bright yellow <laughs> FD RX7 is not exactly the most subtle vehicle to be driving around in. But a silvery blue AE86 might, you know, blend in a little more. So who knows? It sucks that it happened. I'm glad he got him back. It sucks that one's wrecked pretty bad. It does. It just made me think. It just made me think about, you know, tracking my cars. And I, I know there are plenty of options out there for like legit vehicle trackers. That Lojack cost money. Yeah, they cost money and a monthly fee. And I have a lot of cars, and so I want to protect them all. I have the description here. The uh, all right. So AirTag is designed to discourage unwanted tracking. If someone else's AirTag finds its way into your stuff, your iPhone will notice it's traveling with you, and send you an alert. After a while, if you still haven't found it, the AirTag will start playing a sound to let you know where it's there. So you can't use it to hide it in your car then because it'll be found eventually. If they have iPhones. Uh, It says, of course, if you happen to be with a friend who has an AirTag or on a train with a whole bunch of people with AirTag, don't worry. These alerts are triggered only when the AirTag is separated from its owner. Right. Hmm, I wonder what the the time frame is. It's like a 48 hour time frame. Because then you'd have like a bunch of cars in the driveway just making noises when you go away for a weekend. <laughs> yeah, I guess that would be the problem, huh? Yep. So maybe AirTag's not going to work. Let's figure out something else. There's, there's got to be an easy way to do it. I I just started thinking about this today. And, you know, it's one of those things that you put all this time and effort into these cars. And obviously it was more than one person involved because two cars got stolen. Yeah. You know? So it's like, I can't imagine losing like, let alone one car, but multiple at the same time is just, you know, these are not to say these are children to us because they're not, you know, we all, we have children that are our children, but these are very important items to us because our entire life revolves around these things. And to have somebody else just take it from you would be pretty devastating. So anyway, a little negative news to start the day with here. Sorry about that, guys. This thing's called tile, similar to air tag. Okay. I bet you if you looked into it, I'm sure people have figured it out. Yeah, it's got to be a way to do it without like a monthly fee. But I don't know. We'll figure it out. 
future episode, we'll talk about what we, what we found. And hopefully, we never have to use it. Hopefully, I only use it to find my lost cell phone. Actually, I wouldn't be able to because that's how you track it. Hopefully, I only ever use it to find my lost keys. There you go. Anyway, moving on to the subject of the show today, Andrew, mm-hmm. you want to talk about the year of the car, 2022, and what happened in that year. So why don't you uh, get us started and give us an update on everything you worked on this year and where your cars currently stand and what any future plans are for the cars. Well, I did a lot. Um I went out for the first track day in April with the G20, blew the muffler out because it was all rotted, didn't plan on replacing it this year because it was working fine until it didn't. So that got a whole new exhaust um, and a header from Japan. I did, and we've talked, I talked about it at length. It was a story and a half trying to get the thing put together. Mm. Uh, and then when I bought the car, it had an ABS light on. And this required replacing all the rear suspension because I had to take the knuckle out. I kind of knew that going in. So I I did all new suspension arms, all new hardware, a new ABS sensor, and the light was out. So that's excellent. Cool. That was like the last holdover of issues from when I bought it. Did some silicone radiator hoses when I had the radiator out to do the header. Got some Cusco upper camber arms because I needed more negative camber for track days. Sticky Azenus RT615s. Uh, and that's... Oh, I did the front brakes over with Hawks and new rotors. I forgot about that. And headlights? No, the headlights were the year before. Oh, okay. I didn't know you had it the year before. I guess, yeah, I guess you did. Bought it in 2021. All right, all right. Yep. And... I was uh, missing my uh, missing my dates up right there. Yep. Now, you got that ABS sensor from MegaZip, correct? Nope. Uh, that was oh. eBay in England. Okay. You got MegaZip parts for the Q45 then. Yeah, I mean, I've gotten MegaZip parts for basically everything. Because a friend of ours used MegaZip today because they actually list uh, DSM knock sensors. Uh, they do, but they won't send it to him because they don't actually exist. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, I wish he had asked we're, me we're, first. Because we I already bets on whether it would exist or not. <laughs> I already tried to chase that down because people online were like, they don't make them anymore. And I was like, well, has anybody Let's tried the online? And I, I went through all three of them. And tried to place the order, and they told me it wasn't available. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Um, I don't know what people are going to do with that. It's kind of annoying. There's a couple options out there already. One is from a different car, and one is a custom-built option. Yeah. And the custom-built option is obviously expensive, but it's the kind of stuff that, as the cars we love get older, we're going to have to deal with. So It's a weird fortunately, thing to not make anymore, because it's used on a lot of models from Mitsubishi. Yeah, I think the thing is that the part isn't not made. It's just not made with the right pigtail for a Mitsubishi. You just need to figure out what the right one is. There's rumors and grumblings that a Mazda one does work. So you just need to change the harness. 
like extend the harness. But anyway, well, Mitsubishi doesn't make it anymore. Right. It's like a, you know, Nip and Denzo or somebody makes one. Yeah, works. it's just it's just weird that Mitsubishi is usually pretty good about making mechanical parts for like a while. Sure. Um, well, the car is 33 years old, 32 years old this year. So. Yeah, I know, but they're usually pretty decent about making sensors still. It's kind of weird. Especially on a popular platform, like 4G63 powered cars are definitely still out there. It's yeah. Not like it's a 91 Mirage with a single cam. And then I used parts work to get the coolant temp sensor for the Galant. I'll get to that for the new radiator. Um, the OEM one, I think, was available, but there was an the aftermarket equivalent of the actual maker of the part was available too for like twenty dollars versus like forty or something. So sure, you know if they if they'll do that, they'll do that. But I've already tried to go through there to try to get some, but it's kind of annoying. So anyway, uh, yeah, I've gone through Emiyama. Uh, Mega Zip part sork. That's actually where all the hardware came from for the G20 because that would have cost me a million dollars at the dealer and they would have got really annoyed with me trying to look up all these bolts. That's half the fun. That's why you pay more at the dealer just to annoy them. <laughs> I probably wouldn't even got what I wanted. And so, you annoy them more by going back and trying <laughs> to get the right thing. Um, speaking of cars that, yeah, got parts from there. Q45. New OEM struts, all came from Japan, rubber seats, front upper control arms, again, all brand new OEM for Japan. Valve cover gaskets were actually aftermarket ones from Rock Auto. Denso knock sensors, coil packs, OEM maker, but Rock Auto, good price on those there. New OEM MAF sensor from Japan, tracked on a used turn signal in a salvage yard at the beginning of the year. That car has got a lot of stuff done to it and runs great now. And is for sale. It is. Buy and enjoy before the inevitable happens and it winds up in my yard. It's ready to drive across country. I've managed to not do it for three years now, two years now. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so the Glant got a new radiator that came from Japan. I ordered that in the spring. It showed up in like July. When I went to go do that, it blew a rear brake line, so that got fixed. Um, You know, I got the new temp sensor in there I talked about. I've got on hand all the things to convert it to speed density and to add better fueling. I've got some RC550s, Deutschworks fuel pump. Um, Yeah, so that car is going to have a couple things done to it next year to rewire the pump too. What else? Montero got a new ADD off-road bumper that I welded together. New skill acquired. Yes. I didn't, unfortunately, prep the paint properly, though. I noticed it's rusting more now. It's coming through. Another skill to be acquired. Well, I didn't use, like, the metal prep for that Duraback coating, apparently. Okay. Because everywhere else in the car where it went over OEM paint, it's perfect. Well, the OEM paint has a seal behind it anyway, so you go to bare metal was the problem. 
exactly. There's a, even though I used etching primer, I didn't apparently get to perfectly bare metal. There was like a little bit of flash. Sure. Uh, and also there's like apparently a Duraback metal primer. So I'll have to grind that all off with a wire wheel, which will be fun. Annoying, but repairable. Yeah. Yeah. It's not too bad. Um, I actually sprayed some like fluid film over the outside of it. So it doesn't get like super bad over the winter. Sure. That's a good plan. Inside and out. The inside's actually fine. It seems it's, I don't know that, we talked about the way that Durabac dries. It's like moisture based, how it mm-hmm. dries. Like it dries better the more humid it is. It's very strange. That's opposite of and it how do you think it would work? Yeah, and it took like a week and a half for it to cure on the bumper. It it cured elsewhere on the car much quicker. It's very strange. So anyway, I'll I'll redo that. Not a big deal. I took some time the other day and I had that. Um. Oh, what's the? It's the Honda silicone lubricant for door yes, seals. Something. Totally blank on the name about. of it. I don't remember the name of it, but I know what you're talking about. It seems pretty good because it. Ha- I had an air leak on the driver's side, like a wind noise on the Q45, and I was like, well, "Let me try it." And I did just the driver's side door seal, and the wind noise went away. So I noticed so it makes it almost like a fresh kind of seal. It makes it the whole point of the stuff is it makes the seals swell up because they they were having a problem with uh, CRXs. No, sorry, Del Sol's with the roofs leaking. And that's where the Shinetsu grease. That's where the stuff comes from. OK, uh, yeah, it basically makes the it. rubber <laughs> swell up. And okay. seal better. So. I cleaned all the door seals on the Montero and then applied all this stuff to basically like clean them and condition them. And they had some dirt on them. And I'm wondering now, because I was driving the other night uh, and it was cold outside and I had the heat on, but driving down the highway, I felt cold air in my leg. I was like, oh, that's weird. It was coming from like the door. So I'm wondering if the, when I had my truck parked with the nose slightly down and it was raining, water was running in through the doors and just making it under the seals and leaking onto the carpet because there's no windshield leak. There's no other leaks anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. We proved that by so, taking it to the shop, right? The glass mm-hmm. shop was like, how are you talking about? Windshield does not leak. Yeah. So I figured that was worth a shot and we'll see if it leaks. Uh, again, uh, so I did all the seals. It it's it's definitely worth like you might spend an hour, and especially where you are, where rubber gets really dried out. Sure, it might make it last a lot longer too. Yeah, I'm gonna do all the other cars. Uh, I think the G20s got a little bit of wind noise. A couple, one of the doors. I was just just looking. It's not super expensive. It's like thirteen dollars for a little can of it. A little. Mm-hmm. Um, squeeze tube of it like a toothpaste tube, right? So yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's a pretty cheap. A lot of people swear by it, so I figured I'd give it a shot this year. Yeah, it's... Honda makes some good stuff. They make a nice like like a wipe on polish too that kind of people don't even know about just from Honda. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna stuff. do the rest of the doors in Q45 and 
and do all the other cars. So it's a good way to restore stuff that's sometimes NLA on an older car, like the ones that we like. You know, it's not like a 50s or 60s car that you can probably buy new door seals for. Sure. These ones just aren't available anymore. So, um, Talon stayed the same. Just got a sticker this year. Actually, didn't even do that last year. So, I got some stuff. I'm going to try to get to that car. Uh, I have all the Volk Metalcraft adjustable control arms for the rear. I've got all new OEM bolts for the rear. I've got the subframe sitting in my garage that's got the four bolt diff in it. I could actually take that apart in the wintertime here. Get that all set up. So I have the... He was doing a Black Friday sale on shipping. So I got the adjustable or the fixed toe things that go in the end of the control arms. You pull the okay. rubber part out with the like eyelet on the end of it and then put these metal pieces in and weld them in, which I can weld now. Again, new skill acquired. Yeah. And then you set them up. Either you adjust the toe with using those or you adjust the toe using the bolts, which will be free and because they'll be brand new. Because the problem with those cars is you go into the corner, you've got nice, you're going down the road, you've got some nice negative toe, it helps with turning, and then as soon as you go into the corner, it pulls the toe out, and it makes the car want to understeer, so. Sure. Of course, they're definitely known for understeering, that's for sure. Yeah, well, it's because of this active toe that they did, which really was a holdover of the four-wheel steering on the car, on the Glant, because it was just the rubber allowed enough give in the toe pieces without being too loose. Uh, that's how the four wheel steering worked. It actually pulled on those control arms. Okay. That makes sense. Yep. And then they just left it there for the uh, DSMs. Saving some money, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And I got a front mount. I need to get that installed. It's been sitting on that for a while. Yeah, it's been multiple years. Yeah, I just haven't gotten to that car. I was doing other cars that were easier tasks. So, um, and then the other day, I finally got around to doing the IE intake on the Alltrack. And I've got the, the tuner came in. I think I talked about that. So I got to do the tune at some point. Excellent. And that makes three years of the car. That tune on that car is just a plug and play thing, right? You don't have to do oh, any yeah. work. Well... Yeah, I got to click some buttons. Uh, you need to have a battery charger on it because you don't want to okay. break the ECU <laughs> if the voltage yeah, that drops. Be good. Um, but the that intake, you know, it was pricey. It was on sale, of course. But the fit and finish, excellent. It looks really pretty. Like, I did not have to... Like, one of the ends was a little bent over from being in the box. I just bent it back slightly on the sheet metal part of the intake. But other than that, it lined right up. Like there was no messing with it. <laughs> like it, it was didn't take you multiple days like the Montero one did. <laughs> no, no. This is it's nice to install a well engineered part that is made to fit your car. Now did it make for better intake noises? You know, it's a little bit louder, but not that much louder in the car. 
It's weird. Okay. It's very loud outside the car now, which is kind of like, well, I didn't want to make it louder for pedestrians. I wanted to hear it more. For you as the driver, right? Like you could kind of hear it. You remember with the windows down driving it. Sure. It's definitely, you can definitely hear it more with the windows down and you can hear it a little bit more like before with the windows up, you really couldn't hear the turbo or the blow valve at all. And now you can hear it. I also think that a lot of that probably has to do with the fact that we're not talking about a 1991 Gallant. And that's what we're used to working on and, and make modifications to. We're talking about a 2019 Volkswagen. Like it probably has a lot more sound deadening and a lot better, you know, NVH performance in general to kind of well, on I purpose think... keep those noises outside. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I think people's perception of what a loud intake is, is a lot different from mine because I'm used to more racy cars. Again. Yep. Like if you put this on your car and this is your first car that you've ever liked in a performance mod, you're going to be like, wow, that's really loud. Sure. <laughs> For me, it like... was the password JDM <laughs> on the SI back in 2001, 2002. Yeah. It was ridiculously loud. It sounded amazing, though. Yeah, it was really good. <laughs> um, this is like, okay, this it's louder, but it's not like obnoxious, which I guess that's fine. Because if I'm I was test driving it, if you're just driving down the highway, windows up, dri- even driving down the street, if I didn't tell you it was an intake on this car, you would never know. Right. Which, if you rewind the podcast back about three years and you bought the car, you were never going to buy any parts for it anyway. I wasn't. So that's probably the ultimate goal. So. Yeah. And... We were talking about hey, three this. years is a long time to stick by your you stick by your guns there. It is. That's, impre- that's impressive. And we were um, talking about it. Uh, this is a carb certified intake. It came with a carb sticker. So 50 state legal. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason it costs so much. It is part of the reason it costs so much. The carb certification process, I'm sure. It does. Uh, we did that at the last company I worked for. It's expensive. Yeah, it's like 10 or 15 grand, isn't it? Yeah, but it lets you sell stuff in California. so Which is important because it's a huge market. So. And then it lets you say that it's 50 state legal because if it passes CARB, it'll passes pass everywhere, everywhere else. <laughs> so, Well, it looks pretty. Next time in Mass, I'll have to give it a listen. It does It does look really nice. And, and I'm glad I added the cover because it supports it on one side like on the driver's side which without the cover it, it kind of hangs loose a little bit and i was like oh, that's kind of weird but once you put the cover on it plus with the cover on it keeps all the chipmunks out there nesting underneath your intake cover well it's all open still the cover's really just a top cover oh, okay it doesn't seal it but maybe it might keep them out because it's not an enclosed space right it's not as obvious that like, you can just get in there either. Because they were in the bottom of the airbox when I took the old one out. Just a little bit. Yeah. I don't I don't know what to do about them. Just go outside and yell at them all the time. I, I can't even. I have never. I caught one in a trap I had and, and killed it. Other than that, I've never seen one run across the ground. Like, I, you know, you see squirrels out there. You'll see Bert. I've never seen a chipmunk. It's so that's why I wouldn't even expect them to be here, but I've never seen one. It's very strange. Like 
Yeah, my parents' place in New Hampshire, you'd see him run around in the woods all the time. I would see him near our parents' neighborhood in Salem. Like they were in the woods there sometimes. I remember there was one in your dad's garage once years ago. Oh, yeah. And uh, their old cat would, would kill him and catch him. Yep. And you'd see him all the time. But I, it's very strange. It's very annoying. Yeah, I, I'm annoyed by it and I don't even deal with it. So. The good news is, though, is that uh, you just keep an eye on it and hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, it's just they make a mess, though. It's they, the other day I put all the battery tenders on the cars and opened the hood and the, and the G20. They were all it was all nested under the G20 again. As per the huge. Yeah, I stuffed some dryer sheets in there again. They'll probably nest on top of them. Oh, thank you. You gave us blankets. Right. <laughs> nice smelling blankets. Anyway, what do you got? A lot. This is going to be kind of a wild ride. It's been a hell of a year for cars. I'll try to do a quick synopsis on each. I don't want to get too deep into the weeds because there's like 15 of them. And that's a lot of weeds. So we'll start. We'll do it like the Oscars here. We're going to start in memoriam of the cars that are no longer with us. So when I started the year, I had a Saab, a Volkswagen Jetta Sport Wagon, and a Galant VR4. All three of those cars have moved on to some better, some worse pastures. <laughs> So we all remember the Saab. That was my uh, tremendously sad story of getting the car ready to come out here, getting it ready by New Year's, leaving actually New Year's Day to drive out here, driving out here successfully, commuting with the car here a little bit, driving it here and there, and then getting it smashed into while driving down the highway one day and having it told. So the Saab was fixed in time to drive for New Year's, and it was totaled before Valentine's Day. So had a good solid month and seven days of that car. Big sad, because I had it looking pretty good, pretty fresh, but it's gone. Eventually, later in the year, I sold the Jetta Sport Wagon, thanks to the uh, crazy used car market of 2022. I bought that car in 2019 for, I don't know, nine or $10,000 with 30 something thousand miles on it. Drove it for three years, drove it across country multiple times. I had my first job when I moved out here, just being an Uber driver in that car. Used it for all kinds of moves and all kinds of work stuff. And I had 94,000 miles on it when I sold it which was, you know, significantly more than the, I think it was 38,000 when I bought it. So I drove that car 60,000 or so miles in the th three years or so I had it. And I was able to sell it for like 14,500. So I made $4,500 selling a modern era car. Never happen not, again. <laughs> not very normal. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, that's the only reason I sold it. I, I had no plan on selling the car but i was looking at the market and looking at the value of them and i was like 
this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Not realizing diesel is about to go up two dollars a gallon. And yeah, I sold it to GS before diesel went up as well. So it was a once in a lifetime opportunity to to make money on a modern era car. And it was like, you know what? I feel this is the way uh, the guy who bought it, uh, oddly enough, had the same career that I had for the past most of my life as an insurance appraiser. And uh, he was looking for a car that got better fuel mileage than the Jeep that he was driving. So he was stoked at it. And, you know, even at the 14.5 that he paid, it was underneath what the value was. So he feels like he got a good deal. I feel like I got a good deal and everybody goes home happy, right? Uh, car is still in my neighborhood. I see it from once once in a while. It's still pretty clean. Uh, it's the guy who bought it takes good care of it. So couldn't be happier with that one. Third car I sold was very recent. It was the Gallant VR4. That went to a good friend of ours, Brad, another another Brad. Brad is the theme of my cars this year. Everybody involved is named Brad. Um, <laughs> That's pretty Brad. unhinged. Yeah, it is a little unhinged. <laughs> and I sold that car uh, to Brad. Excuse me, you can't buy my car unless your name is Brad. And right. I, oh, I want to buy that car, but is your name Brad? Right, so I sold that car to Brad, Brad A. Um. And I used the money from the Saab was a big portion of the money I used to purchase the 944 ding, 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 another car from Brad B. So it's Brad A, Brad B, and then me, Brad D. You need Brad C. We need a Brad C. Yeah. So you name Brad C and you want to sell me a car or buy a car, preferably buy a car. Give me a call. So, yeah, so I teased a little bit there on the 944. I did buy the 944. I bought a lot of cars this year. It was kind of a banner year for buying cars. I ended last year buying that 81 Crescent, which I'll get to in a minute, and said, well, that's the last car for a while. Well, this year rolled around, and the Saab got wrecked. So I had some cash rolling around. And Brad B., who's been on the podcast multiple times, was out here visiting, and I was talking about 924s because I kind of wanted one. And he said, well, Brad, why don't you buy a 944? And I said, because I really want a 924. I have a flat body Starion, and I've owned a first-generation RX-7, and I'd like to have the contemporary um, early narrow-body you know, transaxle Porsche. And he goes, yeah, you don't want that. 944 is a way better. And I was like, yeah, they're more expensive. And he goes, they're more expensive, but they're a better car. I happen to have a 944 you can buy. And I said, well, I don't know. I'll think about it. So then he hit me with a number, which I thought was very fair to buy the car. I thought about it for about maybe 12 hours. And I said, you know what, Brad? Fine, I'll buy the car. So I bought Brad B's. Uh, 1984 Euro market 944, which is coincidentally the old Radwood 944 known as Rad 44. So I've now at this point, I've sold three cars. I've bought one car. Then I bought a Honda Civic. 1991 Honda Civic. This 91 Honda Civic was being, well, I bought it. And then Arizona Jordan said, hey, my truck's going in for service. Do you mind if I drive the Honda Civic for a while? And I was like, that's cool. 
So he took the Honda Civic and drove it for a while. And unfortunately, it burned a valve while he was driving it. So he and I put a new cylinder, a new used cylinder head on it. Went through the whole process. It was a, oh, I'm going to get the numbers wrong. D16 versus D15. So it was a D16 with a D15 or something like that. It was a some hybrid hot rod head that how they built the Hondas. Put the all car together. It was smoking like crazy and wasn't making good compression. So since the car ran fine until it burned a valve, we assumed this new head was bad. Actually, we talked about that when you were out here, Andrew, because you were going over it with me and we're like, nope, forget about it. This car's junk. Sold that car under the guise of, hey, we don't know what's wrong. It could just need a head, could need a whole engine. You know what? The Dump buyer- it, trash it. This one's garbage. Yes, I was just I was done. I was at a point where I hadn't lost money on the car, but I was at a point where if I kept spending money on the car, I was going to lose money on the car and I didn't love the car enough to spend money in the car anymore. So the right move for the car was to move the car out, right? So he who bought the car bought another cylinder head, sent it out, had it all machined, all brand new, put it on the car, still no compression in cylinder three. So something happened to the rings in cylinder three when when it all went down, when it burned a valve. So I still don't know what happened. He took that engine out, threw it in the trash, bought another used Honda engine for like, I don't know, $2.95 because that's how Hondas work. Put the Honda in, put that head on that he had just had redone. Car is back up and running. Car runs great. It's somebody else's car. I don't worry about it anymore. But the good news is I got out of it. No harm, no foul. So that car both came and left in 2022. And I don't know the last time I bought a car and got rid of it in one year. Less than a year. It was like maybe three months, four months. So just a a big, huge shift in how I work on cars. There was a Subaru that came and went, but that was the intention was to buy it, fix it, sell it. So that's gone. That doesn't even count as a modern era car. I don't even want to talk about that one, really. There was a 1980 Toyota Corolla that Arizona Jordan had started driving. He had picked up in a trade with a couple other things he had. And I fell in love with the car before I even owned it and told him he couldn't sell it. He had to sell it to me. So he did, of course, for Brad's Island of Misfit Toyotas. So the 80 Corolla was added to the collection. So now I've sold three, bought and sold two, and bought two to keep back. So all told, I'm still negative one, right? Then the Mercor, which is the most recent edition, came up. So that became additional car number three. So while it might seem ridiculous that this year I've added a Porsche 944, a Mercor XR4Ti, and a 1980 Toyota Corolla station wagon, I have at least gotten rid of three cars while adding three cars. So we'll call this Project Car Stasis. The number has not changed. It's still too high, but at least it hasn't changed. It's at least a sustainable number of cars. Well, it's not really a sustainable number no. of cars. It's sustainable 
as far as it was the year before as well. But the good thing is, and the way I look at it is, I've got rid of the Saab, which I'm not thrilled about. I got rid of the Volkswagen, which I made money on. And I got rid of the Galant VR4, which has been hanging over me since like 2015. And it was time. I had lost my indoor storage. The car had gone outside for a couple of years. It was time to move it on before it became to the point where I was not that old guy who's like, I'm going to get to it one day. And it winds up in a junkyard. Uh, Brad A bought the car. He's already got the motor at the machine shop again. They're going through it again. Car's already been cleaned. He's already fixed a bunch of stuff. He's ordered a ton of parts for it. It's going to have a brand new turbo on it. It's going to be a good car. He's uh, really, really dug in hard. So I'm excited to see that car get put on the road. I'm glad it's kind of out of my life. I, I also am not glad it's out of my life. But I think overall, the three cars I added, the 944, the Mercure, and the Corolla are all good cars. So I've definitely done this like... I'm trying to go quality over quantity here, <laughs> trying to get make better choices and have cars that aren't giant project cars, I think is going to make my life better, right? I don't know if you agree, Andrew, but that's I think the less huge projects I have, the better my life is. So, yeah. Moving on to project cars, <laughs> that being said, I have a few other cars still. Let's talk about the ones I didn't drive at all this year. All right. The sad cars. Okay. And then after this conversation is over, we're going to have a conversation about the sad cars. All right. Here we go. Because things have happened. So 1981 Toyota Cressida. Yep. I picked it up in November of 21. Life got in the way a little bit as it, as it does. I didn't touch it until probably March to April of this year. I feel like this car has potential. This car has potential. I'm pretty sure it does. Uh, things are moving on it, and uh, the, the updates in this car actually don't end until three days ago. So it's currently actively being worked on, which is good. So the first thing I did when I first pulled it out was drop the fuel tank out of it because it had been sitting since, I think we determined it was like, oh, what year was it? 2003 or four? I have to double check the paperwork. I think so. That's been sitting right. for like damn near twenty years. So the tank was full of garbage. All the fuel oh. lines were junk. Oh God! Why did you just remind me that that's that that long ago? What's that? Two thousand three. Twenty years ago. Yeah. Well, if I have to know it, you have to know it. Oh, I don't even remember why it came up the other day, but I, it came up the other day, and I was pretty upset about it. It was like five years ago. Right. It's not good. We were watching something about Back to the Future, and they were talking about the 20th anniversary, and I was like, ugh, that was 2004. So, which was 20 years ago. So it's almost at its 40th anniversary now, and we're like, woof. But anyway, um, the 81 Cressida sat for damn near 20 years. So the fuel system all needed to be replaced. I'm going to try to go short version to long stories here. Fuel system was replaced. I went through every hose from the fuel rail back is new on that car. There's no old hoses on that car at all. Couldn't get it to run. It turned out that the ECU tucked up inside the dashboard, the clip that holds the connector had broken off and the was not plugged in all the way. So it was not turning on the fuel injection properly. It wasn't pulsing the fuel, the fuel injectors properly. 
got it to run, didn't get it to rev. I've kind of been going through all the vacuum lines. Actually, when you were out here, Andrew, we were going through vacuum lines. We also needed intake tubes, managed to order some stuff from siliconehoses.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, we did get the wrong angle. What was it, 30 of, versus 45? We got a 30 degree. We should have got a 45. Oh, it should. We does it like we flex enough? It was 45. No? It, it does-ish. Um, it's it's got to flex enough to be proof positive the car works. Okay. And we'll see how it, how it all, how it all goes right. together. So that uh, over the Christmas break, which is coming up this weekend, I have four days off. And I intend on finishing that project right there. Also, we bought a one foot piece of tube. Yeah, significantly too long by almost oh, twice really? what it needs to be. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so we I, may have made some errors in our measurements, but that's okay. We'll make it work. Uh, we're kind of eyeballing it. it. It looked like that, but I mean that yep. stuff's not that expensive from that place. No, no, it wasn't. It was like the shipping was more expensive than the parts. I think. Yeah, so, so it wasn't a big deal. Reorder the right length. I'm just gonna cut it. It's fine. It's not like a turbo hose where it needs to have the rolled edge of the clamp on it. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's totally fine. So I'll just cut it and make it fit. So I worked on that car a couple days ago. I finished replacing all the silicone hoses, all the vacuum hoses with silicone. And now I just need to put that last intake pipe system together and fire the car up and run it and see what happens. So hopefully that car runs better now. Uh, 78 Cressida. This also actually, I don't have a 78 Cressida, 79 Cressida. Can't even keep track of stuff. 79 Gressida. I talked last time about I was fighting with the ball joint on the Pitman arm. Yeah. And you so wisely said, why don't you get a ball joint puller? Mm-hmm. So Naomi went out one day when I was at work and grabbed me a ball joint puller. The issue I came across with that particular tool was that the Pitman arm is so narrow the ball joint puller is so wide to fit in a control arm that I couldn't quite wrap it all the way around the pitman arm. Or excuse me, the idler arm, not pitman arm. But I managed to jam it in between on one side and jam it up against the center link and make it work. So it had to be reset three or four times, five or six times. But eventually it popped and it changed. And I put the new idler arm in and the car steers significantly better than it ever has before. So that's a positive. So that project did get finished last week. The alignment is now pretty far off because I think it might have been aligned when it was worn because it's only gone 3,000 miles since the suspension was put on and it was aligned, and I think it was already worn out before then. So it definitely needs an alignment now. That being said, I already needed new tires. So I might as well do all new tires and an alignment at the same time. And at the same time, I'm going to change the wheels to a set of wheels that I bought for the car. So there's a lot going on there. So that's the 79 Cressida. Oh, I was going to talk about the cars I haven't driven yet. Anyway, I'm going off. I'm going off order now. We're not talking about the cars I haven't driven. We're just talking about the cars. Going back to cars I haven't driven. <laughs> 78 Toyota. This one here, now that the Gallant is gone, is the last remaining project that I, I questionably shouldn't or should own. I'm thinking about putting a poll up, Andrew. What? I just, 
this truck is just it's it it's taking away all of my thought process and time from other things. I I put another post out there looking for an engine. Nothing really came to fruition. One engine came to fruition, but it was a later model one, and it would require more work to use. I'm not sure I want to do it. I've been teasing back and forth about will this car go? Will this truck finish? Will it be gone? What's going to happen? I I think it might be the best move to move it on. Aren't there like five people that will like finish it in Phoenix? Probably more than five. So I'm, I'm not making the decision right now on the podcast, but we're, we're going to at the end of tonight, I think I'm going to be like, let me know what y'all think. I, I just don't. I don't know what to do with this truck. Um, I really want to finish it, but at the same time, I also have all this other stuff to deal with. So, and I think the most important project is a car. I'm not even going to cover today because it's not mine, but uh, the the plan is to have the Mustang engine and suspension done at least and the car drivable before next summer. So that's why I was just kind of in the way. I haven't touched it the entire year. I haven't touched the car truck. Excuse me. So I think that's kind of a sign, right? Sounds like it. Yeah, I don't know. I know you don't want to see it go that way. I know actually I also about that from Brad B. He doesn't want to see it go that way. <laughs> but I I just there's just so much to do. And I, the longer I wait, the less chance I think I have of finishing it. So I don't know. We'll see. If you had the right engine to go in it, it would just work. But and, but then it needs a lot of everything else, too, because that truck has also been sitting for a long time. No. It's going to need the brakes gone through. It's going to need the fuel system gone through. It's going to need tires. It's going to need interior. It's going to need a windshield. It's going to need bodywork. It's going to need all kinds of stuff. So the passenger side inner fender area is still crunched in pretty hard. It, it's not it's not like engine in car perfect. You know what I mean? There's a lot to do. So hmm. I don't know. Right. And we'll, we'll see the next kind of to quote uh, Ron LP here, uh, Albatross of the collection, the 84 Starion has also been sitting for over a year. This car can't be sold, so that's fine, but there's no update. I haven't done anything. It does run. It does drive. It just doesn't accelerate past 4000 RPM. I'm 99.9% sure it's because it's an aftermarket Chinese fuel pump. And if I just put a better fuel pump in it, it'd probably be fine because I've literally replaced everything else. That car has also had the fuel system entirely replaced. It has had the injectors cleaned. It has had all of the things that control the fuel replaced in that car and it's still not running. So the only thing that's a poor link in the chain is that Chinese fuel pump. So I think that's uh, probably what's keeping that car back other than the ugly bodywork and everything else. But I can't sell that car. The goal is still to find a solid West Coast sun-beaten narrow-body Starion and switch everything over. So that car is out of the question. Uh, 78 Colt is still in the same condition it's always been in. It just works. Every now and again, it overheats and you pull over and you let it cool off and it's fine again for six more months. I don't know why. I also don't care why. I've just been driving and enjoying the car. So there's no rhyme reason for that one, Andrew. You and I remember that overheating problem in that car. 
It goes back <laughs> since it's I. It's weird. It goes back to since I first bought it, right? Like, yeah, we've put just... two. We've we put two water pumps in it. I've put multiple radiators in it. I've flushed the uh, heater core a thousand times. It just doesn't make any sense. So, and there's no consistency to it. It'll run fine for three, four, five, six months, and then one day when it's not even midsummer, it'll just overheat. So none of it makes sense, but it works well enough to use it. I just keep a gallon of water in it because the entire cooling system only takes a gallon of water. So if it happens, you let it cool off, put some more fluid in it and keep on going home. And it's just the way the car is going to be for a little while. I think eventually I'd like to do a motor swap in that car to either a naturally aspirated 4G or a 2.6 turbo from Starion and just forget about the whole factory system. Who knows? But in the meantime, it works. The car looks cool. I still love it. It's my favorite car. I don't care what anybody says. I love that car tremendously and uh, I'll never get rid of it. So it's fine. No complaints. I'm not going to complain that it overheats. It's fine. Uh, 74 Colt did a bunch of work to that this year. Last year was the huge year where we did the, or I did the top end of the motor over and freed up the bottom end. This year mm-hmm. I got the car ball rebuilt and actually drove the car up and down the street a few times, which was huge. Uh, it's still not running quite right. Uh, big shout out to Jeremy, uh, former guest and his father actually went and looked at it while I was stuck out here because I haven't had a chance to go back to Massachusetts since May this year. Uh, And they determined that even though we had drained the fuel out of the tank and put fresh fuel in it, that the fuel in the tank is causing the car to not run again. So what needs to be done to that car is I need to drop the tank out of it and send the tank out somewhere and have it cleaned because it's filling the car back up with all the crap we washed out of it. So the plan with that car has been, always has been, always will be to get it running and get it out here and then finish up that. But that car is so close. It's not even funny. It's so close. It hurts. It's just hard for me to get anything done because it's 3000 miles away from me, but it's almost there. Uh, 79 Colt has not been touched since you took a starter out of it for the 78 Colt. The good news is that car is going away. And a uh, longtime listener and longtime friend of ours is taking that car and has a vision for that car that hopefully he'll be able to see through. So that car will be gone probably in the spring. So goodbye, 79 Colt. That's the beige Colt named Kelly because it was saved from certain death from the widow of its owner. And the owner's name originally was Kelly. So uh, 91 RX-7. There's good news there. Believe it or not. Have I even told you this, Andrew? No. So 91 RX-7. Uh, another friend of the show and friend of ours, Chris, has a front clip for one. Yeah. Uh, I gave him the dimensions to cut off, so he's cutting that off for me. Okay. And I have a body shop in Massachusetts that's going to do the work. Okay. So that car will be fixed by somebody else, not me, because it's going right. body work and I don't want to do it. And uh, that will be done, hopefully, also late winter, early spring that is all scheduled to do. I just need to talk to Chris and uh, remind him to cut that nose off and get that all taken care of for me. So that car has a bright future. Not sure what I'll be doing with it, but at least it'll be no longer wrecked and sitting. 
71 NSU is still just sitting, waiting for me to have storage out here. Don't have that yet. That's coming eventually. 68 Camaro, same story. Haven't driven in a year. It's just sitting. 84 Sapporo. I've been driving it sparingly, going to a few cars and coffees and stuff with it. Uh, it also continues much like the 78 Colt to be one of my favorites, and it just works. So no project car updates there. Just been enjoying it. And the 93 Eclipse, oof, we had a long conversation about that this year. Very long conversation about that. But the good news is, is that even after all that with the igniter, not igniter, and the ECU, not ECU, and eventually that, uh, I don't know what you call it, the cam sensor? Cam sensor. Mm-hmm. Cam sensor, crank sensor kind of combo. Piece. Cam crank sensor. Yep. So that Top car center is now... Side. Tucked yep, center been, sensor. Been running perfect, and uh, I've been driving it to and from work almost every day, and uh, life is good. So, yeah, I'm glad we figured that out. Yeah. Yeah, me too. <clears throat> the car is, it runs so good. It's so nice. Yeah, that was a weird thing that it just ended up being, that was a bad part, right? Yeah. Yep. Brand new part was bad. <sighs> so, super annoying. But that's, that's all my cars, Andrew. All right, Brad. So no more buying cars this year with two weeks left. No more buying cars this year. No more buying cars this year. Next year, I can't make any promises, though. All right. I, I, I don't know what the what the plan is for next year, but this this year, no, no more cars. I, I can make it to the end of December without buying any more cars. All right. Actually, that's not true. Uh-oh. Well, I'm going to throw it out there. I'm looking for a sub $2,000 car uh, to buy for my daughter. Oh, okay. My kid, my kid, my kid needs a car. Yeah. A short version of a long story. She needs a car. So uh, the budget is low. Uh, she's going to pay for it. I'm not buying her a car. You know, she wants to buy the car, um, but it needs to be like $1,500. If it needs some work, that's okay. I'll, I'll put some work into it for her, but you know, she wants to buy the car. It's important for something to buy the car and I'll uh, I'll facilitate and help facilitate. So if somebody has a car that's for sale inexpensively, whether in Phoenix or Boston, let me know. Well, that's too bad. So you something in Phoenix. got rid of that Subaru because that would have been perfect before you put, put that much it, work into it. Honestly, timing is everything, right? Yeah. And unfortunately, I, we didn't need a car until after that car was already sold. So the next car of that ilk you know a, a 10 to 15 year old car something modern enough to be modern and safe you know fuel injection and airbags are important and again like i said if it's if it's not perfect something i put some work into is okay um if i buy a car out here you know i might make it reliable enough and nice enough to drive out there and then fly back here or if i find a car out there something that doesn't need a ton of work because i'll be paying somebody to do it if it's out there so just something that's a good, you know, 19, 20 year old kid car. So automatic. And that's really the only rule. Mm-hmm. So anyway, there may be another car purchase this year if that happens, but it's not for me. It's pr- I promise. I don't count that. Yeah. Not count it. So, okay. Not counted. No, no. Fair enough. Um, I've looked at a couple. I mean, I'm still looking for a 142. Um, a couple sure. popped up on bring a trailer. There was a cool white one that sold for like I think ten grand, blue interior. 
Yeah, it wasn't too bad of a price. Uh, and then there was one this week. I think it's still going on. It's got a ZTech swap for ZTech. Yeah, it's interesting because that's not a normal swap. It's a normal swap in like a Ford Escort. Yeah. But not in a Volvo 142. But man, you really blew me away. I like it. It was like 20, 20 grand. Already. I know. I was like, because it's got some rust on it. And in the Discord, which you should come hang out and message us. We were talking about it. Uh, we'll, we'll get you in there. We were like, oh, that car is like 12 grand. And you're like, no, no, no. Be 20. And we're like, okay, right. sure. And literally the first day of the auction, somebody bid it to 18 grand. Like, what? Yep. Yeah, it's almost like I do that for a living. I know. So, game so recognizes actually, game. Which I probably, I, I think I will talk about that here now as well at the end of the podcast. Sure. Uh, if anybody um, knows anybody in the online auction world that's hiring, also hit me with a message because I am unfortunately looking for a job as of the end of this year. Yeah. So, uh, my particular employer is uh, changing the way they're doing things. And they no longer have a need for a appraiser, an appraiser. So I'm not quite sure how it's going to work, but I'm not going to pass judgment on anything other than the fact that I now don't have a job. So uh, I would like to stay in the online auction world. It's been very fun. Uh, it's I don't want to go back to car insurance. <laughs> I'm I'm really good at it. It's it's a, my it's my true passion as you know work, and I've loved the past year and a half doing it, and I'd love to stay in the field. So if anybody knows anybody that's hiring, hit me up. So mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about that too much, I guess, because it's still stuff in the process, but it doesn't hurt to put my name out there and let people know what's going on. So no, it does not. Yeah. But anyway, that, that Volvo is ending in three days, Andrew. Yeah. You want to guess what the price is currently? I stopped looking. Is it like 22? Oh, 27. What? It is yeah, like that's too much money. Overall, like not that nice of a yeah. car. Yeah, that's too much money. It's got some decent parts in it, but it's not like like yeah, the you're, paint you're buying the is, hot rod. You're not buying the body. No, the paint is like the close up paint of the fenders was all orange peeled. Like it's yeah. like rattle canned. And they don't quite match or line up. Like it, it was like, yeah, if this car gets close to like eight or 10 grand, I was like, that'd be a cool car to buy. But then it jumped up to like 18. I was like, all right, never mind. Yeah, no, the, the quarter panels are very rusty on this car, too. Yeah, I, even, I wouldn't pay a dime over 10 despite anything that's happening with this car is mechanically. But I don't know. I'm just if all it had was bad paint, I could see it being a mid 20s car, but. The rust scares me a lot. I don't see it. I mean, to me, that doesn't seem like 20 grand worth of parts. So a functional running ZTEC swapped car, it's got, you know, a diff. It's got a good transmission. It's got a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a 20 grand car. It's a twenty to $25,000 car without rust. Uh, with rust, I would say it's a $20,000 car. But I don't understand the price point that it's at right now yeah it's really weird but, it was a no reserve car so yep i'll keep looking i happy with that number i'm sure yeah i'm looking for a decent i really would like Absolutely. a coupe 
uh, manual transmission, and preferably a fun color. Yeah, this this was neat. The, the color was good. The whole car was cool. It was it was a neat car. It's just way outside of it. It's got a bunch of suspension work done to it too. Yeah, but like, yeah, I know. But looking, I was looking at stuff for these cars. Like the suspension is like really cheap to do over. Is it? Yeah, it's like, like shocks are really cheap. Springs are really cheap. Um, this thing had like chintzy wheel adapters with spacers. Oh, I already closed it out. I have to look again later. Had like weird. It's funny because I, I genuinely like these cars now too. Yeah, but I don't want to buy one because you want one, so I'll let you have it. <laughs> they seem like a pretty substantial car for an old car, and you know, compared to like a Corolla that I am driving, seems like a lot chintzier of a car, you know. And I, I don't, I'm not complaining about that. It's just something I was thinking about. Yeah, I like the because the greenhouse is like upright. In the back, yep. so you can actually get like a car seat in the back there. Sure, and it's a fairly substantial car, so it would be okay to have a child in the back. Yeah, I think it seems like a decent, decent thing. So, and they're, anyway, they're yeah. still like vintage enough that they're cool because I want to get into something with, you know, I say yeah, I say bumper chrome bumpers, bumpers, but it's really they're like aluminum or something or whatever, but. Well, they were designed with chrome bumpers and then changed to aluminum bumpers. Yeah, it's so I think it's the important part. It's a it's a separate bumper car, right? Yeah. Yep. It doesn't have a body color, you know, urethane cover over bumper. It's an exposed exposed bumper car is probably what we should say, right? Yeah. The the bumpering part of the bumper is. But is, it uh, is funny though how much of a difference, and we talk about this a lot, that that, that denotes like a classic car versus like. A slightly older retro car. car. Yep. Like, yeah, I I think it's a major distinction point in the respect from non-car people for driving an old car. Like, non-car people see a car with urethane bumpers, and they just think it's a older car, older junk car that you're driving around. Yep. The car with chrome bumpers or separate bumpers, exposed bumpers, I guess, as we decided, you know, kind of has that like. You know, our, our friends at the DWA podcast call sense of occasion. And it, it's one of the factors of that sense of occasion. Like it becomes part of the personality of the car. It's like, oh, this car is old enough that it has exposed bumpers. So, you know, this is an old car. And I never buy something so that other people will like it. I buy what I like. Oh, absolutely not. But that's part of the whole sense of occasion thing. Like, like they talk about on their podcast all the time. I don't want to steal their word or their wording, but... That's really what it is. It's, it's a feeling when you're driving that car because you're you're not you're not doing it to make the non-car person be like, oh, that guy's a car guy. He drives an old car. It's just that like it commands more. Oh, I don't know if respect is the right word, but respect kind of is the word. Like people on the road will avoid you generally. Like you don't just blend in. They notice you. You're less likely to be bumped into by an errant driver because the car is noticed. I think that's part of it, honestly. When I'm driving a chrome bumper car, I notice people notice it. And again, I'm not the kind of person, much like yourself, who's out looking for attention. Like, I'm not into cars for attention. If I was into cars for attention, I wouldn't drive Dodge Colts and Plymouth Poros. 
I love my cars because I love my cars. And that's, you know, I've preached that since day one of this podcast and since before this podcast existed. You don't buy the car that everybody tells you to buy. You buy the car that you want to buy or the 14 cars that you want to buy or whatever it may be. But sometimes it's nice to get that kind of mutual respect from people on the road that aren't car people because they're like, oh, that's cool. That guy's out enjoying himself in his old car. And maybe it's an old man thing. And we're, I'm in my 40s now. I'm not old, but not a kid either. So it's like, I just like having that a little extra. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I can't explain it. I'm trying my best to explain it. And it's sounding like all I care about is what other people think. And it's really not it at all. But I just like old cars. Well, it's not that. It's like when you, I don't know. I guess it is. I guess you do kind of care about what people think. Cause it's like, you're trying to go to a, like a car show with it and like a cruise night and they give you a hard time unless you've got Chrome bumpers. So, right. Yeah. I don't know. I guess that's why I don't like cruise nights. So why am I going? I don't know. Yeah. I don't go to any that are elitist at all anymore. I mean, I could go to my gatherings with like-minded people. So yeah, know, I have less options here. Core. So <laughs> Yeah, I've been driving that Mercor for a week, and it's it's been weird because that car seems to be loved by everybody that's seen it. Everybody's like, oh, my God, this thing's so cool. Like, all right, it's just an 80s German Ford, but cool. I'm glad you all like it. It is nice that when people appreciate the thing that you put your time and effort into. But at the same time, it's not for them. It's for you. And if you're doing it for them, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Go buy a new Corolla. So I don't know. I, I don't have the right answer. There is no right answer, right? We're, 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 we're trying not to gatekeep here, but also like kind of want to gatekeep a little bit because it keeps the bad people out. Yeah. But I don't know how to do it right. So, yeah, I, I always fail to explain it properly. I don't know how to explain it. I, I know I want a one four two because I like the way they look. Sure. And that's what I want. <laughs> I want that. I can't afford a 2002. I can't afford a 510. <laughs> Uh, you could buy a four door five ten. Yeah, they're not bad looking four door. There's one for sale locally here that's really nice for ten thousand bucks. Yeah, I don't know. They don't. They're also like they're tinny. They're common. <laughs> sort of. Not not here, but out there. They're common on the internet. Yeah, I guess. I, I had that conversation the other day too with somebody. It's like. I was talking about a car. I was talking about my 944 and my Mercor. And if I were to keep one versus the other, I was like, I probably would keep the Mercor over the 944. And they said, why? The 944 is a better handling car. And I said, I know. It is a better handling car. But the Mercor is weirder. And I just... I'm drawn to esoteric weird things. And while a 944 is not exactly common on the road, it's a lot more common than a Mercor. It, so, it's pretty common though, when you want to go to an event and there's 10 of go them to an event, there, there'd be a lot of them. Yeah. And there'll be one Mercor. Yeah. So I don't know. Again, I'm doing it for me. So why do I care if it's obscure or not? I don't know. I just, I like to have that esoteric weird car. And do I like to have that esoteric weird car because somebody else 
will be like, look at that weird guy in his weird car. I don't know. Maybe I do. <laughs> I just, I can't explain it. I do it for me, but I happen to do it for other people too, I guess. I don't know. I'm not doing it for internet credit. That's all I know. I'm not, I'm not in it for the, what's the word I'm looking for? They all use nowadays. I'm not in it for the clout. I'm in it to yeah, enjoy I, the old cars. I just, I like the style of the car. I want something that's a four cylinder. I want something that's real drive and I want something that's old. And something with enough room to put three people in, and that's that kind of fits fits that requirements. So that's what I'm looking for. Yep, I like it. I did want to give a quick shout out before we went away. Uh, if you ever happen to see me at a car show, please come up and say hi. Uh, I met a listener this weekend at four till four in Scottsdale. Uh, he goes on Instagram by Westy Rabbit. His name is Ben. He drives a uh, Volkswagen first gen Volkswagen Rabbit GTI. Mm-hmm. Very cool car on Pirelli P slots. Super nice guy, super cool car. And uh, I love meeting people who are in our sphere. So it was cool to uh, meet him in person. So please, if you see us, say hi. Don't come up to me. I'll make it weird. No, I'm just kidding. I, it's it's fun. Please do. He'll make it. He'll, no, he'll make it weird. So power through it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, social media is Andrew. What do we got? Speaking of clout. Where, where, where can people yeah, find your please like questions? and subscribe uh, on off topic <laughs> on Instagram. I am racing anger on Instagram and Brad, where can they find you? They can find me on Instagram at TSI SS three five zero. They can find both of us at scale autocast. And of course we've already talked about it once before. We'll talk about it again. Come join us on the discord. And uh, if you have any thoughts about what cars I should keep and get rid of, uh, feel free to hit me up any of those places. And I'd love to have a, a conversation about why I have too many cars and what my plan should be. So I don't plan on buying any more cars in 2023, but I can't make any promises. I don't want to make any promises. I do plan on buying a motorcycle in 23. All right. So that's fair. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Um, Yeah. What, what will tomorrow bring? Who knows? But I do have too many cars. I do need to move things around. Just need to figure out how to do it and what to do it with. So. All right, cool. As always, keep guys analog and name the roses.